Hello, and welcome to Riding with the Pastor. I'm your host, Elder Orlando Arcady of Arcway Ministries Church. Uh, we are going to be having a good discussion today um, on a topic that I had once opened up uh, a while ago at my church, uh, and I'm going to, along the same lines of that, we're going to talk about um, some of the daily the news news articles and so on. But um, it's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful drive. Traffic is just starting to slow down here. So this gives us some time to talk. <laughs> I can always depend on heavy traffic. All right. Um, so let's get started, Camp, shall we? Um, today's topic is going to be concerning abortion. And I know this is one of those hot button, used to be hot button topics a while ago, but now it's pretty much settled into two camps. Um, there's the yays and the nays. And right now, most of the moral, ethical uh the moral ethical juice, the energy, is on the nays of it. Uh, let's let's talk about it from a apostolic Christian pastor's point of view. <laughs> okay, because I know this is some of the topics that um, we talk about and we have general discussions, but. A lot of times those discussions are orchestrated. And when I say orchestrated, I mean you as long as you agree to what everyone expects you to agree to, the conversation remains single-sided. But let's say you don't necessarily agree exactly the same way as everyone else in the circle. You're not going to voice that opinion, or you're going to be very, very careful that you don't voice that opinion in a way that tips your hand towards them believing that you're okay with abortion. Let's, let's, but let's, and I'm not okay with abortion, don't get me wrong, um, but let's talk about this thing for a second, whether I I'm okay or not okay. Let's talk about this. Because I'm not hard set on one way or the other. I understand the need and the necessity um, for it to be done under certain circumstances. And I understand the need and the, the um, need for it to be discovered, discussed with uh, people and girls and men and boys and whatever for their future growth. Um, so I understand. I've been there. I've been there many times. So I'm not going to throw rocks uh, when I've been where they are and turn around and say, hey, you can't do, you shouldn't do. I've been there. I understand what you're talking about. So um, let's talk about this thing real quick. Uh, it's probably not going to be a real quick thing, but let's get into it. Um, abortion. The two camps. Uh 
for the most part, uh, on the pro-abortion side, most pro-abortionists will always say that it's about choice. And it is. Honestly, the thing that we have that sets us above the animal is the ability to choose. Without that, we are nothing more than beings. We don't have a mind to choose one another. So the ability to choose and to continue to keep that ability to choose. See, a slave doesn't have a choice. A servant doesn't have a choice. They have to do what they're told. But a friend, a son, and a free man has the ability to choose their life. Now, their life may break, may, may bring forth unto them difficult decisions, but the fact that they can make a decision is completely human and a part of what it is to be alive in this world. Now, when it comes to pro-choice, I'm all for pro-choice. A woman has the right to make a decision on her body. No one has a has the right to tell a woman what she can or can't do with her body. This means if a male and a female get together and the female becomes impregnated, if the male wants the child, let him carry the child. But if the female doesn't want to carry the child, then that's a missed opportunity for the male. He don't have to carry it. He doesn't have to provide the milk for it. All of the conditions that come with being a female are incurred and on display when a woman gets pregnant. That means... She has the upper hand in the conversation, folks. She's doing the work. That's why we take care of pregnant women. Because we know it's a hard choice to make. The same way we take care of our military and we take care of our police force and our firemen and we look up to them, and we look up to women who are pregnant because they are dealing with a very difficult thing. No matter how many women, at any point in time, every pregnancy is different, and every last one takes their life into their hands. When you get pregnant, you're developing, you're, you're going to have to give birth. That is a traumatic experience to the body. A male does not have to do that or incur that. So they cannot tell a female that she has to. Otherwise, they are putting her in bondage. 
and she has no choice. If she chooses to have the child, all the greater. But if she chooses not to have the child, then she chose not to. A man cannot tell her she can't choose. Just like a woman says, he raped me. Do we make the male get a vasectomy? So that we can never have children again? No, we don't make them get a vasectomy. We don't make them do that. We make them deal with the time. He goes to jail for a while. But the fact of the matter is, he can get up and go and do that as many times as he wants. He can continue to have sexual relations. He can continue to have children. He can continue to perform that activity over and over again and never, ever incur the issues of having their choice told they can't. They do it anyway. A woman should have the same rights to be able to make the decision. Whether it's acceptable or not, she should have the ability to make the decision. Okay? That should not be something taken away from them. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? If a person wants to sin, they have the right to sin. If a person wants to do good, they have the right to do good. The choice is theirs, no matter what the motivation or the activity it is that they're going to perform. The choice is theirs to make. Right? So, when it comes to pro-choice, a woman has just as much right to make a choice about her body and the things that she's going to deal with as anyone else on this planet. That has the image of God in it. Now, should she be responsible and forthright as much as the male should be responsible and forthright? Look, whatever decision you wish to make, we want to make it together. I'm going to be with you through this whole process. That's what a male is supposed to do. Unfortunately, many of the males don't do. So they get to escape while the woman has to deal with something that she didn't want in the first place, but she has to incur the extra hardships of life that the male doesn't have to. No one's forcing, there is no law in this debate that says that the man or the male that copulates with the female and that female gets a child, he must provide for the child that was uh, 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 brought forth. There's no law. Only The only law that exists is a law that says, or that they're trying to push for uh, from the pro-choice side, pro side, is that someone, the woman, can't 
doesn't have the choice, can't make the choice. But there's nothing that tells the male, you have a child, you have no choice. You have to take care of it. You have to. Whether you want to or not, you have to. You're going to tell a guy that has two or three kids by two women or three women that he has to be with each one of them, live in the same house, take care of all of the child and all of He has to be with each one. Now, that's a recipe for disaster. I can tell you that. That's a recipe for disaster. I need to get over time. All right. You need to go. There we go. Whew, had to get over. Sorry. So, that's the pro choice. That's pro choice. That's my point opinion on pro choice. There is always there need we need to preserve a person's right to choose whether they choose what we like or dislike. There are repercussions that they're gonna to have to deal with. But whether or not it's something we agree with, we would like to see happen. Yeah, you cannot force and you cannot legislate happiness. That's called slavery. <laughs> okay? That's just a semi-form of slavery. I'm going to force everyone to be happy. And if they're not, I'm going to make them. I'm going to give them no other option, no other opportunity but to be happy. You choose to be happy because you see a better way. You choose to have children because you see the benefit of it, the, the, the wonder of it, the enjoyment of it, the thrill of it, the hardships and the elation that comes with having children. It's a wonder. I mean, it changed my life for the better. It made me grow up. It made me be responsible. It made me a better person. But I wouldn't know that for you when I got it. <laughs> I thought it was just destroying my whole life. <laughs> you know? And that takes us to the other side, the pro-choice. I mean, the, the pro-life. Uh, pro everyone knows or everyone wants to uh, uh, ensure and preserve life. Pro-life is preservation of life. We get that. But while I'm pro-life, I can't be anti-choice. I must be pro-choice. When I'm pro-life, listen, listen. Before I get into God, I'm just dealing with the, the politics side of it and the, and the rationality side of it. Before I get into the God stuff, I'm going to get into the God stuff in a second. Don't worry about it. We're going to get there. You're dealing with a pastor now. But I have to talk to you, talk to you. Okay? The pro-choice or the pro 
to in to induce its standing and standards on people that don't share its standards. That's the problem with the pro-life. Passion makes for a very, very poor, rational bedfellow. Passion and ration don't work. Not unless you let one lead and the other motivate. Rational leads, passion motivates. They work well together. But when passion leads, ration gets left behind. Always. Ration can't keep up with passion. You understand? The rational mind cannot keep up with the passionate heart. The heart is too swift. The heart moves too fast. And the heart does not stop. <laughs> its endurance is greater than anything. It continues on and on and on. And ration has a limit. It is limited by the intellect of the individual. Not in the wisdom. I shouldn't say the intellect, or the wisdom of the individual that initializes or utilizes the ration. So, that's, so when we talk about pro-choice, you see much more about life. You hear more arguments, more passionate arguments, more heart-tugging arguments, more just look at it. Just look at the baby. It'll change your heart. That's the passion of pro-life. Now you take that passion. Now, before I go there, before I go there, let me back up a bit. Because I did a little bit of, a lot of explaining on the pro-choice, and this, uh, and this I'm more pro-choice. So let me take some time with the pro-life and not belittle it. Pro-life is extremely important. It is an extremely viable point of view. Every life is precious because the sanctity of life is so so, so critical. Growth and, and progression of, of, of mankind is pivotal, and it should not be cut out and made slight of. It is important, extremely important. It is who we are. It's a perpetuation of who we are. I see me in my children. Let me talk to you a little bit about me in, on the pro-life pro side. When I was growing up as a kid, young young adult, I was handsome, and I had girlfriends. I had a lot of girlfriends. I had a lot of relationships. And those relationships yielded um, pregnancies. And between miscarriages and uh, abortions, 
uh, I made it through. The decisions that were made at the times when they were being performed were for the best of the individual because we weren't going to be together. And there was there was no way we were going to continue. It would have just made things much worse. And we grew apart. So if we'd had something to keep us together, we'd have been miserable. And I'd rather not be miserable with children than to be great by myself. I don't want to be miserable with a, with a significant other that I don't like or they don't like me. But we're stuck together. That's life. Those choices, those decisions are life. Pro-life. Life is about making decisions and sticking to the results and having the ability not to initiate a poor choice but make a better choice for your life. That is so important. Just as important as it is to have life, it is just as important to ensure that the life that you wish to bring forth is the richest you can make it. The most beneficial you can provide I mean, you know, you, you don't have kids until you get way up there and you make it. A lot of people wait until they get 40 years old. And then they say, okay, now I feel like I want to have children. Uh, you're 40. You can enjoy that child, but that's just me. That's an opinion. That's an opinion. I don't think you can enjoy your child at 40, although people do. But having them at 30 is a lot different than having them at 40. You can enjoy them at 30 and grow up with them for those first 10 years, but you'll treat them and they'll grow up with a relative understand, relationship. You'll understand one another versus that teenager growing up and you're at 50. When that teenager hits 12, you don't relate to each other well at all, <laughs> okay? You don't, you know? It just, you just don't. You just, it, it, you try to be relevant, and you, you're not old at 50, but you ain't no spring chicken either. So let's just keep it real. You want to have the child around the time, but that's just having, that's life. Those uh, those decisions that you make, you made them. You made the decision to have a child at 40. You made the decision to have a child at 30. You made the decision to have a child at 24. Well, most people, most 24-year-olds don't really make that decision. It kind of just happens. But then when it happens, you take make the decision to keep it. And you can move on. You grow and you make the decision to... to to do on whatever your heart tells you to do based upon your conviction, your core values. 
your core belief. And now I'm getting into God. What God puts upon your heart to ensure and tell you you're going to be okay if you do this. That's a part of that small voice that influences young, foolish minds into making an investment in their future that will always yield the, a great result. Children are an investment in a person's future that is the best yield ever. That the kids are wonderful. They're great. They're fantastic. They're funny and they're problematic. Um, uh, and depending upon how you raise them and what you do to make them appreciate you and respect you and how you raise them and how you let them grow, um, they can be a boon or a bust. <laughs> boon or bust, baby, boon or bust. Sometimes you just, woo, you're like, where'd this kid come from? Be careful who you get with. You don't know what's on that side of the family. But he seemed fine, yeah, but he got like three cousins that are absolutely crazy. And now you got him. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. You know? So you got to be careful. Pro-life is tough. Pro-life is, comes with some some some. Issues. You got to weigh these factors. You know, pro-life, but pro, I'm going to tell this, I'm going to say this again. Pro-life is pro-choice. Because life is about having the making the choice, making the hard decisions, sticking with the hard decisions. Pro-choice is pro-life. Making the best decision for your life. That's why I keep saying, like, when I talked about people and I, and I discuss it online or whatever to people, I'd say that the debate is a red herring. It's a moot point. They're both talking about the same thing. The problem is they don't want to go far enough to reach the other person. They only want to stay in their camp because there's more passion for their position. And they can use it as a springboard for something else. Pro-choice is simply pro-life. Pro-life is simply pro-choice. That's the argument. They're both talking about the same thing, but neither one wants to go far enough. Take that thing out. Look at it from the full perspective. And you'll find you're talking about the same thing. Raising a family. When? Do I raise it now? Do I have the choice to raise it now? Or do I not have to raise it now? And pro-lifers will say, no, it's better for you to wait. 
most pro-life, wait until you're ready. Don't have children when you're young. Pro-choice. You know what? You have the choice, but I would hope you choose to wait when you're ready, which means if you get into mistakes, and here's the thing, what happens if you make a mistake? That's where the short-sightedness and the discussion and the argument reside. When the young make a mistake, do we punish them for the mistake by forcing them to accept and be responsible for the life they're creating, even so, we don't have to deal with the consequences initially of raising the child just as the child gets put into, into society. We don't have the ability, we don't have the decision to make of any of that. Just once it comes out and deals with it. But as long as that, that toddler is a toddler, it's under the care of that mother or that father. And or mother or mother and father. But let's get real. Let's just be real. Very seldom is anyone going into Planned Parenthood, mother and father, to have an abortion. Most of the time, it's the mother. Most of the time, it's the mother. Very seldom is it the mother and the father. Why? Because they're young. Most of them are young. Young, dumb, and stupid. And they do things without thinking things through. They get into these habits and these ideals and they listen to too much music that's sexualized and over-sensualized, and the next thing you know, they're emulating and copulating and doing all of the things that responsible people who are able to deal with the decisions that they make are doing, and they're not ready for those for those for those uh, that those those that situation to occur. You're not ready for children. They think they are. They want to act like they are, but they're not. So, the fathers end up bouncing. The mothers end up with a child, barely able to support it because now they've got a job, they've got a baby, they've got no job, no education. They gotta force their way through college or do whatever they need to do to make it along whatever line. And it's a tough road. Without family, it's tough. With family, it's tough. It's just tough. But that's your choice. And it's your choice not to go through that. And it's your choice to go through that. Now, the biblical side. 
don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to do this quickly. Because we did a lot of talking about this. The biblical side. From the biblical side of the matter, abortion has had a place scripturally in the Old Testament, um, and it has been existent throughout what's considered the New Testament church, the apostolic church, um, and it was never, ever something that was considered yay, cheered, a go-to, a, a popular decision or a popular choice. It was never that. Even in the Old Testament, there are certain situations that occur, uh, women being raped, molested, girls being molested, um, they get pregnant at a young age. Uh, in the early years, girls as early as young as 12 were uh, having children. Uh, girls as young as, I mean, barely just starting to uh, to do the thing, to reach maturity and womanhood. Uh, and they were 13, bam, they were on them. Uh, 14, bam, they were on them. Uh, you know, that was early in the year, and early in Rome, and early in the 400s and 300s, stuff like that, that type of thing. They didn't have much choice. It was just expected. That's the way it was. A 16-year-old uh, girl was definitely somebody's wife with kids. Um, that's just the way it was. A couple kids. Um, so, as we see the availability of a different decision with women's suffrage and the decisions about a woman's body and who was in charge of it coming to play. Because all that time, that young child was under the authority of the parent, the father. And the father and the mother incurred the, the shame or the glory of their child having children or having to deal with the loss of a child after they received got pregnant. And most often, many, many times, unless there was a way to um, what, would, what we would call now, looking back, as abort the child, what they would call the forced miscarriage, taking something um, that would cause the uh, body to reject the embryo or the the child or the thing that was developing uh, caused it to stop and halt. There were certain herbs that they took that they learned um, how to do that. And most of the women that were uh, people that were knowledgeable about how to do that, um, that's where they went. And if you could get to them, you know, it was this has been practiced for a very long time, stopping the, 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 stopping the birthing process trying to control the birthing process. Uh, 
trying to get a hold and a handle on your life so that you can make the decisions that you need to make after you made bad decisions. <laughs> okay? So you initially, in order for you to get to the point where you don't want to have the child, you had to have made a bad decision in doing what it takes in order to incur having a child when you didn't want one. Something happened. Uh, mistakes happen. Um, bad decisions happen. It's just the way that it is. So you get yourself in trouble, you want to try and get yourself out of trouble. Trying to get yourself out of trouble um, can in some ways dig you in a deeper hole. But it doesn't really matter about what type of sin it was in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Repentance covered it all. And that was the problem with a lot of people who were extremely pious. And that was that people shouldn't be able to escape from poor decisions so easily. They should have to endure and, and, and incur some measure of reciprocity for the decisions they made. That's really the cusp of, uh, I'll just come home, I'll come out here later. They're really the cusp of uh, the pro-life is they want people to deal with the consequences. With, and, and they just, and it's, and it's, they don't want you to have to get into the consequences. Don't get it twisted. They just don't see why you should be able to escape the consequences that you make. You should be able to endure and deal with them because it it leads to poor behavior. And that's one of the things that the pro-lifers really have a big problem with. And they believe pro-choicers are all for and that is escape from justice, escape from the responsibilities, escape from um, the rigors of life, right? Making it easy for the kids to 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 just hey, no more kid, no family, I'm I'm out, woohoo, I'm having fun, bing bing bing, done, you know, be irresponsible. No one wants people to be irresponsible because irresponsibility leads to troubles. The real thing, the reality is, you get past that, the reality is, you want people to make better life choices. We all want people to make better life choices. The best way to do it, teach the responsible and the joys of life and the choices that we make. It is a beautiful thing to have a child when you're ready. And it is a beautiful thing to discover you're ready. 
<laughs> I don't know if you got that. It's a beautiful thing to discover that you're ready. All right? With that being said, I am home. I've made it here, and I am out. I will talk to you guys the next time. I made it safe. I thank you all for being with me. God is good, and I look forward to another uh, uh, episode of Riding with the Pastor. Take care. Bye-bye.